Welcome to Lessons from a Podcaster, a show where we interview podcasters from all around the world and ask them to share their tips, insights, stories, and everything you need to know to grow your own podcast. This show is brought to you by PodSqueeze, the essential tool for any podcaster that wants to take their show to the next level. Let's get started with our host, Tiago. Hello, Dave. Welcome to the show. Oh, glad to be here. Yeah, I'm very excited to speak with you and extract all the knowledge out of you. <laughs> you have been in the industry for many years before Apple Podcasts, which is amazing. Let's start with our pitch challenge. So if someone approaches you in a party or in an elevator and they say, hey, what is your podcast about? What do you answer? Yeah, I usually say it's called the School of Podcasting. It's where I help people plan, launch, grow, and if they want to monetize their podcast. That's my kind of quick elevator pitch kind of uh, answer for that. And uh, how many downloads do you have per episode on average? On average, it's around 2,000. It kind of varies. Wow. Uh, a while ago, was getting close to like 2,500, but Apple just did some things that kind of, kind of lowered everybody's numbers. But uh, yeah, it's about 2,000. 2,000 is already amazing. Uh, do you remember your first episode? You, you were telling me that it was in 2005, right? Do you remember yeah. like how it felt like to release an episode before podcasting actually being as mainstream as it is today? Yeah, my first episode uh, was actually for, uh, my my original podcast was for musicians. And when I listen to it, I just want to crawl into a hole and run away. It's <laughs> horrible, but I leave it up there. It's really bad. And then the first episode of the School of Podcasting is called Your First Episode Usually Stinks. Uh, and it still gets downloads 18 years later, but we're, wow. we're, we're all just kind of saying, look, you start where you start and you you move from there. You were, uh, before we started recording, you were mentioning uh, that you really felt the hockey stick effect when Apple came to play. Can you just share this with uh, our listeners? Yeah, it's kind of funny. Back then, Yahoo had a directory, Microsoft had a directory, and I can't remember the name, but before Twitter was Twitter, it was a podcast directory. And Apple came on, and I just remember looking at my stats, and it's the only time I've ever seen hockey stick growth. It just, it was moving along a little bit up, and then all of a sudden it just, just took off. And I was like, oh, holy cow. So yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty amazing. How did that change your relationship with your podcast? It, it just, once again, you have this giant, and that's why I always, to me, I, I always tip my cap to, to Apple. And it really said, wait a minute, if a big company like Apple is seeing the potential here, then I'm not, you know, I'm not uh, making this up. Because what really hooked me is, is I was doing this podcast for musicians. I'd been doing it about two weeks. I'm in the middle of nowhere, Ohio. And I got a voicemail from a guy from Nuremberg, Germany. And I went, wait a minute, did he say Germany? And so that's when it really dawned on me that it was it was global and people were listening. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. And so when Apple came along and said, oh, no, this has potential. Let's put this into our, our iTunes software. I was like, oh, okay. Well, there's somebody else that just kind of verified what I was thinking. So yeah. yeah, it was amazing. And Apple kind of controlled the game for many years, but now there's a lot of new players, right? There's Spotify, there's YouTube. How do you see the future of podcasting in the next five to 10 years? Well, it's it's been going up for, you know, the 20 years it's been around. Spotify is really weird 
because they like to build things that only work in Spotify. So where podcasting is an open forum, you can listen on whatever app, wherever you want to listen, etc. A lot of Spotify's features, like they added transcripts, and there is, without getting too nerdy, there is a spec already made for transcripts, and they didn't use that. They built their own. So Spotify is always kind of a weird thing, and people, they are number two, but there's a huge difference between Apple's around somewhere between, I don't know, 55 to 65%, and, and Spotify somewhere down there around 20 So, you know, Apple still is the, the top dog, and that depends also, I think, on what country you're in. I know uh, in Europe, Spotify is a lot more popular than, than Apple in some cases. So I think it's going to keep going on. I'll be really interested to see with this new stuff with YouTube, because Google has tried, this is their fourth attempt at embracing podcasts, and they've shut all the other ones down. And I'll be interested to see. I know TikTok was going to get into podcasting and then they went no. And Facebook said they were and then they're not. And because they're all looking at it going, wait a minute, this is going to be some work to put this into place. How are we going to make money at it? And that's always the big question for these big companies. So it'll be interesting to see. But I, I know Spotify, God bless them, they spent billions of dollars and we all learn from all of their mistakes. So I think we're going to see going forward. I don't think you're going to see any more stupid money where people are getting paid, you know, in outrageous amounts. And I don't think you're going to see exclusive shows anymore. I think we've proven that that doesn't work. So it'll be fun to watch. But all in all, I think it's going to keep going up. Yeah. I've had uh, some conversations in a recent conference I attended, and a lot of people were actually afraid of Spotify or uh, because they, they don't want, and they said they didn't want podcasting to be YouTube, YouTube-ify to have only one platform because the beauty of podcasting is the RSS feed that is shared across multiple platforms. No one controls us. So that's, that's something uh, that uh, a lot of podcasts are afraid actually. Uh, well, I thought a, a great example of that was at podcast movement and all the vendors were in the vendor area and we're all hanging out and learning about new stuff. Spotify was literally way down the hall in an own room and it was invite only. And I go, that is yeah. kind of a classic example of just how Spotify embraces podcasting but uh you know we'll we'll see what happens with them Look, i love them as a music platform i love the yeah. fact that they just started audiobooks it's a great place to listen i have uh spotify always has an asterisk so when they said you can do video podcast it's asterisk if you upload a video to spotify uh the video only goes to spotify and the only thing that goes to the feed is the audio you know when they said hey you can play music in your podcast asterisk uh, by the way, we have to approve every episode in B. It's only on a, it's not on the web. It's only on, you know, phones and oh, C, it's only for people that pay for a subscription. So yeah, uh, they don't lie, but they sometimes don't always give you all of the information. Yeah, definitely. And uh, let's continue here in the, the more technical part. I'm really interested in learning more about your stack. So at the moment, I... For sure, it changed a lot in the past 18 years. But at the moment, what's your stack that goes from idea to production? Yeah, well, first of all, I hang out wherever my audience is. So that's why I love to go to podcasting events. I hang out a lot of Facebook groups and Reddit groups. And, you know, in some cases, I'll go to YouTube and find, pod. you know, uh, basically YouTubers that are talking about podcasting. And you go there to read the comments because that's how you can figure out what your audience wants to know. And when I see something and I'm like, ooh, that would be a good episode. Then I basically I use Evernote to capture all those ideas. And then I basically from there, uh, if I need to do research, I'll capture that in Evernote. And when I'm ready, what I do, I used to just come up with four bullet points 
and then talk into a mic, and I don't really script it. The problem yeah. was, as I would later write a blog post about it, my show description, my episode description, I would always come up with something else. So I switched that around. I now kind of, because I'm a little ADD, I will, I will write out my show description because I really need to figure out what am I trying to say? What's the big takeaway for this episode? And then I boil that down to a couple bullet points and I talk to my invisible friend across the desk and hit record. Uh-huh. And, and then after, where, where did you record your episodes? Uh, I record my episodes right here. Uh, I use Hindenburg uh, for that. I love Hindenburg. Um, I am sniffing to script for some of the video stuff I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And I use Ecamm Live for my live shows. I have a bunch of different shows. So I use Ecamm Live for my my live streaming because I'm on a Mac. If I was on a PC, I'd be using StreamYard. And, but I once I record that, I usually do all my editing in Hindenburg. I love Hindenburg because it's made for spoken word, where things right. like Audacity and GarageBand are kind of made... They they have, music. yeah, they have some music tendencies. Nothing wrong with those. You just have to kind of keep stepping over them because I don't need them. Uh, and so from there, it's Hindenburg. And then it's, you know, uh, when I put out social media, so many people go, hey, episode 16 is out. Well, that doesn't make me the one to click on that. So I try to think of my, the people that follow me on whatever social, I want them to have material to share it with the people who follow them because those people aren't following me. They, you know, my, my followers know who I am. They know what I do. Right. So instead of saying episode 16, I might say, Hey, do you know somebody who likes the Beatles? We talk about them in this episode or something that's kind of like, we'll go, Oh, I know somebody who likes this or, you know, do, today we talked about the magic of Will Ferrell movies or whatever it <laughs> is, you know, and get them to share that with that. And then I also have a newsletter that I will put out. And that's usually just a quick synopsis of what the episode is about with a link. And there's always links wow. to, f- to follow. Do you, do you see pot squeeze as a, as a way to somehow automate that process and, and help you write all of these assets? Yeah. What really, so once the episode is done, you upload it to pod squeeze and that's where I look at pod squeeze as my brainstorming partner. Um, I love AI. It's, I always say AI gets you about 90% of the way there. And so I'll see a title or I'll see a summary and I'll be like, and sometimes I'll be like, that's perfect. I'll just copy and paste. But there are other times when I'm like, mm, that's not quite right. Or I'll see a couple titles and I'm like, Ooh, what if we took part of this title and moved it with this title? And then, and I end up with a super title. So I love the fact that yeah. it, it sparks my brain into like, Ooh, okay, this would be good. And then, uh, yeah, there's all those, you know, I know you have uh, LinkedIn posts and newsletters and all that stuff. And so I, I'm often taking not so much all of it, but it's because uh, I know I always laugh when I see the one, for, I think it's for LinkedIn, and there are just so many emojis. Look, I'm a <laughs> yes. white guy. I'm not an emoji <laughs> guy. So, but I will again take that and go, oh, that's a good point. And I love the, uh, the poll quotes are always mm-hmm. great. Uh, I just was playing last night with the image you can make from those. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's a great way to brainstorm and, and come up with the best way to market it. Cause that's really it. It's you've, you've worked so hard on the content and yeah. so many times, and I get it cause we're tired and that's why you end up with tweets that are like episode 16 is out. Yes. <laughs> and so that's where, you know, something like a pod squeeze can come in and go, Ooh, you know what would be better than that? This. Yeah, totally. And I, I totally agree with you. Uh, we need to work alongside with AI, right? Everyone is kind of afraid that AI will replace us. But no, it's a great tool to help us not only 
to ideate, but as well to focus on what really matters, which is creating great content. And then the kind of boring part, which is, you know, creating tweets and social posts, yeah. we can, you know, delegate that to the AI. So that's really cool. Let's uh, shift gears here to something more juicy. I'm interesting, interested in knowing what is the most memorable episode? Like something that just pops to your head as I'm asking this. Something funny, interesting that you want to share with the listeners. Uh, probably the one that, uh, I mean, I've had some funny times. I remember once I was uh, interviewing someone and this is when I lived in a different location, but I had a, a, a bathroom right outside my door and I, I live alone. So all my doors are open and I'm interviewing someone and out of nowhere, I still don't know why my toilet flushes in the middle of the episode. Whoa. So that was kind of, that was kind of weird. Um, we've all made the mis the mistakes of forgetting to hit record. Um, yeah. I had a weird thing, uh, two weeks ago where my, uh, the plugins I use in Hindenburg for some reason, un, I guess unverified or whatever. They, they went back to demo mode, which meant about every 30 seconds they would insert silence and I caught oh. it. I always listen. I always listen to my episodes before I upload them. I kind of figured out the problem, re-exported the file. So there weren't any silences and then uploaded the wrong file. I was oh. like, oh, you got to be kidding me. I got I wake up and all these people like, do you know you have like these weird skippy sparts in your show? So there's that. Uh, most memorable, probably the one that most people talk about. Then it was a while ago. If you go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash 400. So it was kind of a milestone. Every 100 episodes, I kind of break format. And what it was, it was me doing my show. And then I had these make-believe uh, kind of morning radio, morning zoo guys uh, take over my show called uh, Binky and the Wiz. And it's all me. It's all I'm doing voice of Binky kind of sounds like David Lee Roth, man. What's <laughs> going on? And and the Wiz stutters because, of course, you know, so a lot of people. But it was still teaching people about podcasting, but it was a, a much more creative way. Do you, do you like to sometimes, you know, change a bit the game and try to do something, you know, crazy because often that that takes a lot of time right like you have your your flow already ready but when you change things when you mix things up it's always very very exciting not only for us as creators but as well for our listeners yeah i i tend to like to mix it up every now and then just because it has just a small element of i wonder what dave's going to do today i don't want to completely yeah. break format so I'll mix in sound effects every now and then, not too many, because if you go too much with that, it, it becomes distracting. But anything that will help enhance the uh, the content, I'll do that. I've done um, fake commercials before, where you know uh, it was if you what happens if you mix a Viagra ad with a podcasting ad, you know. Um, <laughs> I need you know, to hear that. <laughs> contact your doctor if your podcast lasts longer than four hours. You know that kind of thing. Uh, <laughs> so. That's amazing. So I try to, my, my background's in teaching. Uh, I mean, I, I went back to the days I used to teach people how to surf the internet because they didn't know what it was. And so in, in my teaching style, I've always tried to kind of call it, you know, edutainment. I'm trying to teach you, but uh, I had a niece once that when she was little, and she was just doing this, this awesome belly laugh that only a three-year-old can do. And I walked by and I said, Emily, what are you doing? And she said, Roger Rabbit is teaching me reading. And I went, that kid doesn't know that she's getting smart because she's having so much fun. So I always try to make it somewhat entertaining so that uh, while you're learning about podcasting, because let's face it, bandwidth and downloads are, you know, but yeah. if I can, can make it somewhat exciting and have a story around it, uh, that'll help. Speaking about teaching, uh, what would be your advice 
for uh, podcasters that want to grow their show? Like, what are the tips that work the best for you and that you'd recommend others to also do it? Yeah, the one that nobody does because they're afraid to is you need to find somebody not named mom to listen to your show and then basically ask them, okay, did you listen to the whole thing? Uh, if you didn't listen to the whole thing, where did you stop and why? And then how likely on a scale from one to 10, where 10 is, I'm going to tell everyone, how likely are you to share this with a friend? And if you get sevens, you might want to go back to the the drawing, but there's something there. And what happens is you ask your family, like if you ask your mom and she's like, oh, look at you, Mr. Professional, look at your microphone, you know, and you're like, notice mom is not talking about the content. Oh, look at you with all your lights. Oh, those are nice. You know, it's like, she's not talking about the content. And so you wouldn't open up, a re open up a restaurant without having somebody taste your food. And so, and that, and that people always think, oh, well, you're just, you just want me to put my podcast out there so people can just rip to shreds. And I'm like, no, but you know, their authors have rough drafts, you know, uh, athletes have preseason and you just recorded the first thing ever. And I'm pretty sure you might be able to improve on that just a little bit. So you have to kind of have that attitude of like, okay, this is my rough draft. Uh, I wrote a book about podcasting called Profit from Your Podcast. And I think it was after the fourth edit, I'm like, well, surely we're done now. And they'd come back, okay, we found some more stuff. Can you make sure this is right? So, you know, sometimes it takes a little polish to get it right. Because what happens then is you put out a, an episode that doesn't really resonate with your audience. And then you start to promote it. Well, with movies, the way movies work is they have a, a screening. And they look, how did the audience react to this? And if they reacted great, then they'll go ahead and put it out. And then they start marketing it. It doesn't make any sense to market an episode that's not going to resonate. Uh, good marketing will never trump bad content. And yes, so that's where people are like, true. see, you you told, you know, you're just looking for the bad stuff. And I'm like, no, you, you probably did some things really good. But, you know, it, yeah. it, and it doesn't have to be perfect. But I hear so many podcasts where the the title is, you know, how this person makes money with free software. Great. And you fired up and they're like, Hey, it's Jill and Steve. And they start talking about cat videos and French toast recipes. And you're like, wait, where's the thing about yeah. making the money with the free software? So, you know, just things like that, that I can go, okay, I, I get it. I understand this. If you want to do that kind of like, what's up with you, just put it at the end because the title of your episode is kind of the promise you're making to your audience. And the sooner you can get to that, the better. Yeah, definitely. I think people uh, sometimes are afraid to get not so positive reviews, but that's essential if you want to get better, right? So I think that's great advice. Uh, speaking about that, do you or did you ever had any kind of not so positive feedback from a listener, something that bummed you out? And uh, what, what was that feedback and how do you kind of bounce back from that? Yeah. It, well, there are a couple of things, but yeah, we've all, I don't think you're a true podcaster till you get your first one-star review. Uh, and mine was a bad commercial for a bad product. That was it. And I was like, and I went back and looked at it and was like, you know, why is he saying this? That's the first thing you have to look at. Does this person have a point? And, you know, in some cases, uh, that person is just not your target audience. You know, I've, I've had people before, I had one guy wrote up almost two pages of feedback for a live show I do called Ask the Podcast Coach. And it's a live show. We go wherever the audience wants to go. And he was like, well, I, I really liked how you did this, but you should be doing this and this and this and this and this. And I go, 
Yeah, this is a live kind of, and I put in air quotes here, call-in show because people are asking questions via chat. I go, and he's, you should have guests, you should have this, and you should, I'm like, yeah, that's not, that's not what the show's about. This show's about right. giving out free podcasting advice. So sometimes the people that are giving you feedback are not your target audience. And as much as we all want people to like us, you know, some people aren't. And so that's where it is tough. Now, I'm, you know, when you get a one-star review, it hurts. It doesn't matter who it's from. But you have to look at it and go, okay, let's go back and listen to the last couple of episodes. Did I do something different? Is there is there any merit to this? And in some cases there is. And in other cases you go, I don't know, maybe that guy was having a bad day, needed yeah. to vent on somebody. So what, uh, what would you say for someone that wants or is afraid to, to share their thoughts and, and share their voice up in the internet? Like what, how can they kind of over, overcome that fear and, you know, kind of risk it all? Yeah, some of it is what we call imposter syndrome, where you think, well, why would anyone listen to me? And a lot of that is because you hang around with people who know the same things you do. So uh, one of my hobbies is music. So I grew up around musicians. I was in bands all my life. And I was uh, out to dinner with somebody and they said something. And I said, oh man, total Pete Best. And they said, who's Pete Best? And I go, who's Pete Best? Everybody knows who Pete Best is. And they go, I've, n I've never heard that name before in my life. I go, it's the original drummer of the Beatles. And, and she said, how do you know this stuff? And I go, everybody knows that. And she goes, no, no, I'm here to tell you. So, um, and it turns out not everybody knows who Pete Best is, but I do because I'm a musician and I grew up with the Beatles. So uh, that's part of it is, but you also have to realize people like Garth Brooks, Tom Hanks, Meryl Streep, all these super famous, super talented people think they're frauds. Uh, there's a great documentary on Netflix where Garth Brooks is uh, playing, um, Central Park in New York City. And so they've already given him some plaque for the day because he was like the top-selling male country artist, he, some huge accolade. And he's, he's in his hotel room convinced that nobody's going to show up in New York City to hear some country guy. And finally, his wife goes out and uh, he, she comes back in. She goes, Garth, they, they had to move the barricades. He's like, because nobody's here. And she's like, no, there's tons of people here. And he talked to like one of the The organizers, he's like, well, as of 20 minutes ago, there were like 900,000 people here. Whoa. And Garth Brooks goes, wait, you're telling me there are 900,000 people out there to see me? And he goes, no, Garth, there were 900,000 people 20 minutes ago. <laughs> and so the whole time he was convinced that nobody was going to listen. And it's not always so much about giant numbers as it is the right people. You know, yes. uh, if you're doing a show that's hyper niche, There may not be thousands of people that listen to it, but you, you know, I've had a, a guy once that sent me an email, said he was going to kill himself because he just had all these horrible things that one of his best friends had died. He'd been fired and he thought he had cancer. And he said, I heard your podcast. And you said, sometimes starting a podcast can kind of give you a purpose. So instead of killing myself, I decided to start a podcast and I, I consider, you know, I, I basically credit you with saving my life. And I'm in the basement, wow. you know, next to the furnace talking into a microphone, feeling like I'm talking to nobody, and you don't know the effect you can have on people. Wow, that's a very inspiring story. And I think it will encourage a lot of the listeners to find their voice, because there's definitely people that would love to listen to that. Yeah, so Dave, absolutely. 
Thank you very much. How can we find you? How can we find your podcast? Share everything here with the audience. Yeah, if you go to schoolofpodcasting.com, that's where you can find. Uh, I have courses. I have community. I have one, unlimited one-on-one coaching as part of being a member of the School of Podcasting. If you're looking to start a podcast, you can go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash checklist, and that's a free checklist. It'll walk you through starting your podcast. Amazing. I will link everything in the show notes of this episode. Thank you very much, Dave, for sharing your knowledge with us. Oh, thanks for having me. This has been great. This podcast is brought to you by PodSqueeze, an essential tool for podcasters that creates show notes, timestamps, clips, and more. Visit PodSqueeze.com and use the code PODCASTER for 20% discount in the first three months. That is all for now. See you in the next episode of Lessons from a Podcaster.